Hey, hi, Mark. Hey, Vincent. Good to meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Great. Welcome to a new episode of the Better Teams podcast. Vincent here, and I will be your host today. This podcast is about building better teams, because that's what my co-host Max and I love doing, and we have the strong belief that with great, sustainable team dynamics, you can achieve anything. This podcast is your space to grow in terms of management and leadership and to meet people with real-life experience in developing individuals into high-performing teams. Thank you for listening. This week, I am very happy to introduce you to Mark Robinson. Mark is a senior software consultant, but over the years, he also became a master at speaking in public. And that is the topic of today's episode. More than just a friendly discussion, it's almost a masterclass from which you can learn to become better at sharing your ideas and what's dear to you. We will talk about why it's important for you and your team to develop great speaking skills in your career and in terms of leadership. And Mark will share many tips from his training and his brand new book, Speak, Inspire and Power. But without further ado, let's join Mark now. In your book, the book you've published recently, Speak, Inspire, Empower, great book, at the very beginning of it, you're right, and I quote you, this is not the story of a great public speaker. Yes. This is the story of an ordinary guy who learned many techniques from a variety of sources, which I then developed over years and practice. Yes. End of quote. So I think the first question I really want to ask you is, what's your story? Just jumping into your story and i would like to know more and i would like our listeners to know more about this ordinary guy supposedly when and how you got into public speaking especially in that you don't write it in the quote but you come from the software engineering world yes that's right yeah which is supposedly known for a lot of introverts so really tell us more about your story yeah sure so my story began, at least the presentation skill story began when I was 13 years old in England. And I tell this story in brief in the TEDx talk as well, when I was asked to give my first ever presentation at school. And um, I was totally terrified. And I remember being so unbelievably nervous. And I'm not even sure now, now I've had much more experience why that was, but I was really, really scared. I mean, shaking and as I was told later, completely white. It was, and um, it was horrible. And I explain in the book as well how my teacher said to me, can you speak for more longer? And after I'd given my prepared speech, and I did what any untrained presenter does. I just listed all the facts that I know about the topic, which was the Blackbird aircraft, which was <laughs> I, I really liked at the time. And I thought, okay, I'm never going to speak again. That was horrible. And many, many years later, so I, I avoided every opportunity I could to speak, I avoided. And then many years later, I went on a public speaking course by Remco Glasson, who had himself learnt a lot from really professional speakers over the world, really read up a lot. And the reason I did that was because a few months before then, he had given a workshop which lasted three and a half days and kept our attention every single minute. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. How is that possible? So I went on his course and it totally changed how I present. And I started to think more about the same or similar content, maybe reducing it to focus on what was absolutely essential and then giving it in a different way. And as I talk about in the TED talk, you know, using questions, using stories to keep people listening. 
So that's how it started. And I took what I learned from that workshop and I developed it over many, many years. And at the same time, I was seeing kind of what you're talking about. There were many technical people who did the presentation the way I did it at school, hadn't changed anything. It was just a data dump. And I thought there is a better way for them also. And it's not hard to change. Anybody can learn to present well. And I remember exactly where I was. I was outside the ASML reception when suddenly it hit me how I could make this point clear to everybody. And I thought, right, I'm going to give a very popular talk from the 20th century in the PowerPoint format, which is the format I see everywhere. And I chose Martin Luther King and that became the start of my TEDx talk. But before I got to that stage, so I gave this talk, first of all, in a small group, uh, well, a small group, about 70 people. Then I spoke to internal communications at ASML and we recorded it and it's on YouTube. You can watch it. That was in front of 150 people. And one of my friends saw it and he said, hey, that looks like a TED talk. So I just Googled TEDx Eindhoven and found out that they had an event and, um, well, went to a pitch evening. And to my surprise, I was one of the few chosen. And then before I knew it, I was on stage. And that changed everything because then suddenly this hugely popular TED talk was being watched, and, which I had made. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And I got people contacting me all over the place and saying how much they liked it. And my friends, my colleagues said to me, hey, Mark, can you teach us how to present? And so I started Mark Robinson Training uh, in 2017, and then that just grew massively. And I always got really high scores. It started getting nine out of 10, and it crept up to nine and a half out of 10, average score. And I thought, what could make this the perfect course? And the one thing people said was, well, actually, there were two things. Can you give us a handout, and can you recommend a book? Well, <laughs> I couldn't. So I sat down, and I tell the story in the book how it started. I sat there one day, just started writing, and... This is the result. Speak, inspire, empower. As you mentioned, how to give persuasive presentations. That's another big part. Yes, you got it as well. To boost your confidence and career. So that brings us almost up to date. It does indeed. You mentioned the TED Talk that you delivered in 2016. Uh, I really recommend everybody to watch it. It's a really nice, fun, clever, useful talk. Thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's funny because it's uh, 17 minutes, including the chat I have with the moderator at the end. And I know people are looking for shorter talks, but people have said to me, I just started watching. And before I knew it, it was finished, you know, because of the simple techniques, the tricks that I use to keep people listening. Yeah, it does. It summarizes a lot of your lessons along the way. So, yeah. Before we get into the tips, uh, indeed, to help our listeners to become better speakers as well, I really want to say that to me, what you share in the book and in the TED Talks about presentation and presenting things, to me, it's really much deeper than that. And I think your story tells that as well. It's not about just presenting uh, things. It can have a lot of profound effects on anyone willing to practice that. In the TED Talk, you said that it's just like a, a muscle we never really develop or few of us really develop the ability to speak in public. And you, you also said that it's important to know what's in it for you in any speech you give, in anything you say. So I would like to ask you that to anybody listening to us, what's in it? For them to become better at presenting yeah it's a great question so indeed that and that's actually how i begin the book why on earth would you want to develop your public speaking skills and many people uh, even fear it uh, there's an american comedian who i quote in the book who says most people that the second greatest fear is death and the greatest fear is speaking in public so he says at a funeral most people would be rather be in their casket than uh, giving the eulogy 
I think there are three reasons why it's great to develop a public speaking or at least being confident in speaking in front of a group. And one of them is that you get much more self-confidence rather than that fear, you get the self-confidence. So if you can speak in front of a group, however big that is, then in a one-on-one, you have much more confidence, whether that's in a work setting, like a job interview, or if it's on a date, you know, personal setting. That's one thing, the confidence you get. The second reason, it's great for your career, because if you can stand in front of a group and speak confidently on any subject, you're much more likely to be seen as the expert on that topic. And the third reason is it increases your charisma, so you have more influence when you speak as well. So there are three very powerful reasons. And for me particularly, the confidence I've developed by being able to face up to this fear and beat it has been amazing. In the context of our Better Teams podcast, I was wondering if you think in terms of leadership, team leadership or, or management, leadership ability, what would be the, the advantage for a leader and even for team members inside the team who would be willing to practice, do you think, to be able to present better and to be better speakers? I think for leaders particularly, I talk about charisma, which is your influence. And it's so important for a leader to communicate clearly what their vision is, what they want to achieve in a very clear way and to do, to do it in a way that inspires people. It's not a coincidence the book is called Speak, Inspire, Empower. So you've got to inspire that people actually want to change, want to do what you want, and then empower so that you give them the tools, whatever it is that they need to make that step. And as I mentioned in the book, you always got to think when you start speaking, what is the goal? Why are you actually doing it? And so for leaders and for anybody, actually, it's always a call to action. There's something that people need to do. That's what the empowerment means, that you actually get them to do something. And so for leaders, I think every leadership program should include really high quality presentation skills training, which is what I offer. And because it's not only communicating well, it's also communicating persuasively. And that's also a big part of the book. For team members, well, I mean, everybody gets those benefits, right? The, the career, the confidence, the charisma. And I think for team members, the ability to communicate clearly and to build your confidence is something everybody should have. Because, you know, in a team, it's not like only the manager or only the leader has all the knowledge. No, I mean, there are architects, there are developers, there are senior people, there are people who are learning, and they all have something to contribute. You know, I mean, someone who's just joined the team. This is what happened to me many years ago. Someone said to me, can you tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly of our group, which is great for someone new joining the team. But whoever that person is, they need to be able to communicate clearly. And so presentation skills also for team members are essential. Let's dive into the many tips, some of the many tips you give to foster better presentations. I picked a few from the books, but there are many, many more. So really to people interested, go read the book. Um, the first one is the three E's. Can you tell us more about that? The three E's are what makes a great presentation because we've seen so many boring presentations at work, right? I mean, it's just, it's almost standard. I, when I start my workshops, I say, what makes a great presentation? Because we, we want to get that clear right from the start. And I ask people for their feedback and they say things like, uh, had really good content or it was entertaining somehow, they had stories and so on. Or, and they start to give some ideas. And then I categorize those in under the three E's. So the first E is education, right? You've got to tell something. It's got to be some kind of content that comes across. And the second E is about the entertainment factor. There's a reason why you actually want to listen to it. And that can be things like, as I mentioned earlier already, stories and questions. 
those are simple techniques. Anybody can do that. But there might even be something uh, more powerful. I mean, some people use humor. Some people use physical props. You know, we've both held up the book already. That's a prop, something that yeah, is physically there. And the third E is empowerment. People actually leave with something like a call to action, something new they can do, which they couldn't do at the start of your presentation. And that's one major part of the goal, why you're actually standing there. So when you get all those three E's, then you have a very powerful talk. And the major reason why so many presentations in the business world, in the technical world are so boring, is because they only have one E. Now, which E do they have? It's always the education, right? The education E is huge. People just want to data dump with lots of slides, 84 slides in 10 minutes, you know, and then someone says, you've got five minutes, so they click even faster and speak even faster. Terrible. And of course, the entertainment is, is just zero and the empowerment, yeah, there is no empowerment. The only, the only entertainment is when they trip over the laptop wire and it falls on the floor and that gets people's attention. Apart from that, no entertainment, no empowerment. And that's why they're so boring because people leave thinking, well, what am I going to do? That hasn't changed me at all. I'm just going to forget that. So no empowerment, whereas what you want is something which has all three. And then you actually leave thinking, yes, I can do it. I'm inspired. I'm empowered. And I've learned something new. It's true that these three dimensions are really useful to build your speech. I mean, you can check if you have a bit of everything and if it's well balanced. Yeah, indeed. And the balance is so important because that's really what's missing. You know, that's a very important point because you want to have a big E for entertainment circle and a big E for empowerment circle, but you also need to shrink the education circle. And so you do that by focusing right at the start. What do I really need to say? And then you go through a process which um, my wife calls kill your darlings, where you have all these different things you want to say and you say, no, I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut that. And I'm going to focus on the goal. Indeed. I really like that. The kill your darlings advice. Yeah. It's a bit odd, actually, that my wife came up with that phrase. That's a little bit, a little bit scary. <laughs> you just mentioned the goal. So that, that's done. If you want to add anything about that, I really think it's important. It's also something that Max and I, we advise in any project management, just have a goal. The team needs a goal. Uh, but it's also true. And I was happy to read that in the book. It's also true for um, to anything, including building a speech. When you think about your goal, you want to start with your audience. This is such a profound mind shift because I used to think, what do I know about this topic? I'm going to tell everybody what I know about this topic. So the center of my talk was my content. But what I should do, what I've learned to do, is think, no, the center of my topic is the audience needs. And I look at that in three ways. I think about their head, their heart, and their hands. So their head, what I want them to remember. And this is where already where many speakers get it wrong because they think, okay, I'm going to do you know, the 80 slides each with 20 points on and get them to remember all those things. It's way, way too much. Now focus. What are the three things that people must remember? Only three. What are those things you're going to hammer on and just focus on those? And then how do you want people to feel after a presentation? How do you feel normally, Vincent, after a business presentation? Fortunately enough, I don't have to suffer a lot of them, but I did went through presentations or meetings in education when I was a teacher, and usually you don't feel good at all. You feel um, in despair and you feel tired, very tired. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, you've touched on uh, a couple of the things that I have in my abbreviation, which is we've got to stop bad presentations, B-A-D, because people are left either feeling bored, asleep or dead. And we have to stop that. You want people to feel inspired to make a change or angry because things are not going the way they should do. That could also be a feeling. Three things you want people to remember, the head, feeling, heart, hopefully inspired, and then finally hands. 
What are people going to do as a result of your presentation? And that's the call to action. That's a very interesting input, the shift you talk about. It's actually a very entrepreneurial shift, thinking about your target, your end user, uh, who is in front of you, what they need. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and we think about the end user, we think about software, you know, that's one thing that Steve Jobs did so well, think about the customer and what they need. And they don't want lots and lots of features. They want to have something that works all the time. Very simple. Anyone can use. And that was really part of his massive genius was just working that out and making sure he always knew better than the people themselves what they wanted. You are listening to the Better Teams podcast. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Did you know that my co-host Max is very active on YouTube? He produces weekly videos to share practical content for first-time leaders directly from his extensive experience. If you'd like to discuss management and leadership topics, you should definitely check it out. Go to Max Castera on YouTube after this episode, of course. But for now, let's go back to our conversation. I would also like to talk about um, influence because it's a big topic in the book as well. It helps you, I mean, being a good presenter and public speaker helps you gain influence, but how does it work? And can you tell us a bit more about that? In the book, I kind of touch on a few major areas and I quote people like Dr. Robert Cialdini who wrote his book about influence and then another one on persuasion. And I talk about uh, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert and how he uses. So it's, it's well backed up with some really smart well-researched information. So how do you influence people? Well, I mean, I influence people on my workshop right from the start and I tell them afterwards. I have everybody stand up and introduce themselves very quickly. And then I say, okay, that was your first presentation, the only one you don't have any time for. And so from now on, it gets easy. But I say to them, one of the reasons why I ask them to do that is because I want to have influence over you. I want to establish myself right at the start as the leader of today. And so how that comes back to answering your question is when you can start to give people direct commands, then you start to have influence over them. And it's very powerful. And it starts off with simple things like listen or write this down, simple things like that. Then it might get a bit further like, um, okay, everybody stand up, put your hands in the air or something like that. It might be some physical movement, even raising of hands to answer a question. You start to have more and more influence. And then when it comes to the end and you give your call to action, Well, you've been influencing people the whole time. They've been learning to follow your direct commands. And by the end, they're much more likely to follow your call to action. That's indeed very clever. It's just very little things, but it's, it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Brings me to another question about body language. We don't have to go into details into that, but it's often a concern for people when they communicate. So what about body language? Do you think it's important? And what do you think about that? There is so much I can say about it. So much. Here's one trick that will help all the, your listeners now. And it's one thing that most people get wrong, but I'm going to tell you now and you'll never get it wrong again. And that is that when you think about the past, where is that in relation to your body? It's on my uh, left side. Yeah. Okay. So on your left, some people say behind on your left. So if you are, if I say, okay, something about the past, then I will indicate that way. But for you, that's the right. Yeah. So what I need, so if I, for example, say sales are going up and I raise my, my hand from the bottom left to top right, for me, that makes complete sense. But for you, it's the wrong way around. So I have to reverse it and say sales are going up. I go from bottom right to top left. And for you, now that makes sense. So you have to reverse it. And if you will see many people now, 
will make that mistake, but now you and all your listeners will get that right every time. And it just makes your message, we talked about influence just now, your message is a little bit more persuasive because people will focus on listening to you rather than doing that mental calculation of, wait a minute, it's not going back in time. Oh, we've got that way around. Okay, that's what it is. Thank you for that. <laughs> that's what I wanted to cover about the tips, you, some of the tips you give, but do, do you want to add anything that's something important that we didn't mention about these tips and you would like to share? Um, one very important, and it's almost too trivial to mention, but it is very important, is if you're going to give any presentation or any speech, please, please practice in advance. And I do that at least 10 times out loud, preferably where I will actually deliver the speech. And the reason for that is the first few times I'm just getting my story, my presentation right, getting the order right. And then the last five times is when I'm really learning the presentation. And um, if I don't practice, then the first time I go live is the first kind of practice speech and that goes horribly wrong. So I need to practice, practice, practice. And then when I go live, it goes a lot better. That one is not rocket science, <laughs> but it really is important. The TED Talk really seems easy everything is flawless but i guess it was a lot of practice before to make it seem so simple so how many times do you think i practiced my tedx talk total or in the room total i would say 52 times <laughs> i must have practiced at least 100 times and that was including even on the bike on on the way to work and i tell people people look coming in the other direction probably thought who's this crazy guy who keeps talking to himself every morning but yeah i practiced at least at least a hundred times and often in front of colleagues as well to make sure it was great as good as i could make it but even then there was something i forgot and i mentioned that in the book as well and the funny thing is it wasn't important enough because if it was i would have remembered but there was one tiny thing i forgot and i explained exactly what it is in the book But yeah, nobody noticed, so it wasn't that important. <laughs> Let's keep some suspense for people to go and check in the book. On that subject, if I, if I may, because people think, well, why is that in the book? And the reason is because there are two strands through the book. So one is my personal story, which we talked about at the start, some of it. And the other is the presentation skills, which is about two thirds of the book. And so I alternate chapters between those two so that people yeah, will learn my story and hopefully also be inspired by my story. One major point in the book as well, and I, I love it because I think it's really important, and it's also in the TED Talk, you strongly advise people, speakers, to ask questions during their presentations. And you cleverly say in the, in the TED Talk that a question is like a hook in the shape to get people involved. Could you give some tips to, to our listeners to become better at asking questions? Because I really think it's not natural to ask good questions. So there are three different questions, which I also explain in the TED talk, three different kinds of questions which any presenter can ask. And as you mentioned, I say it's like a hook and you hook into people's brains. It's like you're pulling them towards you as a speaker with, with simply with questions. So three types of questions. One question is when you turn a normal sentence into a question, which anyone can do, can't they? Do you see how easy it is? And once I start doing it, I can hardly stop, can I? But it keeps your attention, doesn't it? And you just do that and drives people mad. And so I have to stop. <laughs> I do that in my workshop and I have to stop because otherwise people are being driven mad. And the other uh, one is when you uh, want to introduce a topic. So you ask a question which you then answer. So this is great if you happen to be using PowerPoint, which I don't necessarily recommend, but then you can use it to introduce the next slide. So you can say, okay, so how are sales for the next year? Click and then you show them. So you can introduce topics. 
ask a question, answer it yourself. And the third way is when you want a response from your audience. So you can say, okay, how many of you agree with this? By show of hands, you get people to raise their hands. So there is that interactive element as well. And that always, that guarantees to get people listening. Because if they've switched off for a moment and they look around and suddenly see everyone else with their hand in the air, <laughs> then they probably think, well, I should probably raise my hand as well. I should probably listen now. I had that a lot in the different classrooms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> in your education, yeah. Yeah. When I was thinking about that question, about questions, I got curious and I wanted to ask you if you had, if you personally, you had questions that shaped you, uh, both personally or professionally, big questions you had throughout your life and you say, oh, these, these questions made a difference. And I just wanted to know what they looked like. I don't have questions particularly, but what I will say is one thing that I've learned is, and this is related to related point, is you should never say somebody else's no for them, right? So you might think, oh, I would really like to have a chat with that person. Oh, but they wouldn't want to, they wouldn't have the time or so on. No, never say someone else's no for them. So It's not about questions that people have asked me, but rather encouraging people listening to ask questions, ask for help, just ask. You don't get to give someone else's no for them. Ask them and let them say, and you may get a yes, and then you come out ahead. So my answer to your question is actually ask questions yourself. That's a good principle, I believe. One last main part I wanted to cover with you from the book and from your the philosophy with which you develop your trainings as well is the positive feedback. The way that you only give, you really only give positive feedback and you, ha you ask participants to do the same. I would like you to develop that principle because I know for a fact, and I include myself in that as a, as a former teacher, even today, people can tend to believe that you need at least some level of criticisms and negative feedback, if I may say, to learn and improve. And you say, no, only positive feedback. So how does it work? So I don't know if this works in every case, but in a presentation skill workshop, when you've got a group of people, it works amazingly powerfully. Why it's so powerful is because what's the main thing holding people back from speaking in front of a group? And it's their fear, right? People get afraid. But if you can feel confident, you're already nine-tenths of the way to giving a great talk. If you're confident, that makes a big difference. And I've seen people, even in small groups with like four or five or six people, they can be very frightened even of speaking in front of the group. Whereas when they're sitting down chatting to them, it's no problem at all. So confidence is a big factor. I ask people to give their feedback, as you say, but positive. And part of the reason is if you have people taking notes and they can also give negative feedback, then how would you feel as a presenter if you see people writing the whole time during your talk? You feel a bit, what are they writing now? Have I done something wrong? But if you tell them they're only going to have positive feedback, every time someone makes a note, that gives you a little boost like, hey, I did something good. Hey, great. So that's part of it. And it really It's amazing, but also the amazing effect is on the atmosphere in the room where people have been giving positive feedback to each other for the whole day. I mean, they're like become friends for life. At the end of the course, they all share each other's details on LinkedIn and I see them all liking each other's posts for months and months and years to come because they formed a bond between them. But also, I mean, there's at least a couple of other things to say. One is that when you're only giving positive feedback, let's say someone comes up and they have lots of slides full of text. And you think, oh, you know, lots of slides of text is boring. But I don't say that. I give them, tell them some other positive feedback. Then someone else comes up 
and has lots of slides with images or no PowerPoint at all. And then I or someone else might even be the original, the presenter with lots of text says, hey, that was really good. And by giving that positive feedback, the others learn, oh, that's good. What the other person did wasn't so good. So they are teaching themselves as well what's really powerful. And also one final thing is when people, <laughs> how do you learn best? How do you feel when people criticize you? You can get feel like, whoa, and you can feel a bit defensive, right? And hey, that wasn't that bad. And if you're feeling defensive, you're not going to learn. But if you're feeling open, you'll learn much, much faster. And so I must tell you, when I told people that I was only going to give positive feedback, people said, you know, this is <laughs> never going to work. But now they are asking for it. Last week, literally last week, two customers said to me, Mark, can you come along and train again? Because you did it before. And the thing you did with positive feedback was amazing. It really made a big difference. And we want more of that. So people love it. And it, I think that's part of the reason why the workshops get such high scores, because they learn so fast, but in a really fun and warm atmosphere. It's amazing. I wish everyone could experience it. Which leads me to my next question. Before the very last one, I wanted to share a few practical information. Uh, what can people do if they want to improve and, and eventually maybe work with you? From time to time, I run workshops which are open to people to join. Uh, Max joined one of them. I run them and people can join. They go to markrobinsontraining.com and can sign up for my next course. Or I also do a lot of in-company training. So I go there for a day. Actually, it can be anything from half an hour to two days, but typically one day. And in one day, people leave with some really, really powerful presentation skills techniques. And they learn the things we've been talking about, about the balance of the three E's, about having a clear goal and even persuasion things much more than we've talked about. And the final way, of course, no, there's two more ways at least. One is, of course, <laughs> read the book, which has got a lot of the content. And, and I've got practical exercises throughout the book. So someone actually said it's like a workshop in a book. So you can, just by reading the book, you can get a huge long way to learning these skills. And, um, and finally, coaching, because what I love to do almost more than anything else is help people who have an important speech or important presentation to help them make it fantastic. So contact me, markrobinsontraining.com, and we'll arrange a coaching session. Thank you. My last questions to guests is always the same. Uh, I give you the final say. Who would you like to send a message to and what would you tell these people? My message is to every single person listening to this podcast. And what I'm going to say is based on my own life's experience as someone who absolutely hated speaking in front of a group and did it really badly. And my message is you can learn to speak confidently in front of a group. And if you do, you'll be benefited in ways you cannot imagine right now. So make sure, whether it's through me or through somebody else, but make sure you learn this skill to speak confidently, clearly and persuasively in front of a huge audience and your reach, your influence will magnify amazingly hugely and also your confidence will be huge as well and just watch your career, watch it go <laughs> from bottom right to top left. Imagine reading Speak, Inspire, Empower by Mark Robinson and becoming great at speaking in public. There was a subtle joke in that, in what you just said, which people who watch my TED Talk will may get. And if you don't, it's explained in the book. It's all in the very first part, but I'll say no more. <laughs> no, there's a little bit about um, the Beatles, but let's keep it that way. There we are. That's it. That's a good hint. When you read that to that in the book, you'll get it. Indeed. Mark, thank you. Thank you, Vincent. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, for me too. Thank you for listening. 
If you liked this episode, consider giving it five stars on Apple Podcast and a good review. It helps us a lot. Before you leave, I have one question for you. Who should be our next guest? Manager, HR professional, sport coach, CEO, managing director. Who inspires you as a team leader? Get in touch and let us know. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.